0: Hello and welcome to the May edition of In Conversation With, the Lancet HIV's podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief Peter Hayward and this month's issue of the journal has a diverse range of content. Our feature looks at the difficulties of reaching Indigenous populations in the Amazon with HIV services and in a linked piece we profile the work of an organisation that is doing just that. We have a research paper on long-term outcomes for women starting option B in Tanzania and another on the burden and correlates of HIV infection in transfeminine people and cisgender men who have sex with men in Kenya. Finally, for now, I'd like to draw your attention to a review that summarises the current knowledge about coronavirus infection and COVID-19 in people living with HIV. But now... I'm going to talk to Dr. Claudia Cortez from the University of Chile School of Medicine in Santiago and Dr. Jessica Castillo from Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee, USA. Their research paper, which is called Estimated Life Expectancy Gains with Antiretroviral Therapy Among Adults with HIV in Latin America and the Caribbean, was published recently online and is included in the May issue. So... Hello there, Claudia and Jessica. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hi, Um, hello, good morning or good afternoon.
0: (laughs) Whichever one it is, wherever you are. Your study, which is published in the May issue of the Lancet HIV, your study is looking at a vast and diverse geographical region, um, Latin America and the Caribbean. Can you perhaps first start by telling me what countries are included in your study? and what the similarities and differences are in terms of HIV epidemics across that region.
2: So I'll jump in. So um, you're right that the Latin America and Caribbean is a a very large region and it's really characterized by its diversity and heterogeneity. Our study includes uh, clinical data from sites in urban centers of only seven of those 33 countries. So we still are only reflective of a sliver of the diversity in the region. We include data from clinical sites in Haiti, Honduras, Mexico, Peru, Chile, Argentina, and Brazil, and across our sites in Casnet, and across the region, the HIV epidemic is is very is very diverse and very variable. Claudia, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, and our sites in different countries, probably they don't represent all the variety inside each country. For example, in Chile, I work in the main HIV center, and probably Chile is a little bit more homogeneous, but in Brazil, you can see different sites that cover different regions of the country. But as far as we know, I believe Jessica agreed with me, this is the biggest collaborative cohort study of Latin American HIV patients. So it's the best we have from the region.
0: And that's Casanet you mentioned there.
1: Yes, that's Casanet. Yes.
0: Yeah. So within the within the countries that you include in your study, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the sites that um, are included and what sorts of data that you have access to for this piece of research?
2: Our data is coming from medical records, so on the shelf medical records from adults and pediatric patients with HIV being seen in those clinical centers centers. All of those clinical centers are from urban settings, but they really have uh, quite a bit of diversity across those sites. Um, and have different features. So some of the sites are large tertiary medical centers, so, you know, medical, uh, academic medical centers. Other sites, though, may be safety net or public hospital settings. And other sites are even more unique, such as our Haiti site, which also includes beyond HIV care services, such as HIV prevention and screening services. It's also The diversity and the difference of Haiti from some of the other sites was a reason why we um, separated that site from the others. As I'm sure you know, Haiti is the country with the largest HIV epidemic in the Western Hemisphere, Um, and it's also a generalized epidemic there, kind of equally affecting males and females, so it's a little bit unique from some of our other sites. But overall, our data sources come from the medical records of the patients that are seen there. And um, at our research group, is really known for its high standards for data quality. So the data that we collect undergoes internal data quality checks as well as review once it's harmonized and put together at kind of the collaborative level as well to make sure we have the highest quality observational data that we can.
0: So we've seen from... Uh... A few studies in high income countries and from sort of Europe and and North America. These studies have shown that people living with HIV are achieving life expectancies that can, you know, pretty much match those in the general population. And your study, you seem to show something similar in Latin America and the Caribbean. Um, And these are really encouraging findings, I think. Can you tell us what you found?
1: It's well known, those uh, studies that you mentioned. But probably, again, it's very heterogeneous, the situation in Latin America and in our sites, it's also heterogeneous. You cannot compare because they are not in the same position, Haiti, for example, Argentina and Chile. So that's the richness of this collaboration of all these sites and countries, because we can show different realities. In in some places, it's true that you can have access to much better care, and patients can actually have more or less the same life expectancy that a healthy person without HIV, but in another side, it's not like that.
2: But our hope is overall in showing that these general trends, including in, in sites like Haiti, and really in, when we looked at the data at the individual site level, overall life expectancy was improving at all of the sites included, that the message is that that we are seeing these life expectancy gains, including in low and middle income countries. And the message to hopefully show that that with treatment and with expansion in treatment, we can see these improvements and, and this will hopefully lead to earlier access to treatment and a, and, a, and a greater emphasis on early diagnosis and treatment and reduction
1: of stigma to try to to try to continue to expand these gains. Mm-hmm. Yes, the message is that if you work hard and if you do what you have to do, things can get better, not only in rich countries, also in developing countries. So we can do it as as good as other more developed countries if we have all the treatments and all the access to health.
0: You're saying that, uh, you know, things aren't consistent across the region necessarily. Are there any particular successes in the region that you can point to or any particular regions where you think there needs to be improvement? Or are there, you know, for example, particular populations within your region that aren't having some of the successes that you're seeing elsewhere?
1: Well, it's not part of our sites, but for example, one of the first countries that can stop a vertical transmission was Cuba. That's from the region and even it's not Casanet, but that's a way that you can show like how Cuba could was able to stop vertical transmission. So in different countries, for example, in Chile, we already reached our first 90 uh, before COVID, of course, because probably after that, this year is going to drop a little bit. But uh, there are some countries that are doing very, doing a very good job. In terms of patient populations, in the study, we
2: looked at certain patient populations, such as those starting ART at a low CD4 count, less than 200, um, as well as patients who had a history of TB or or tuberculosis at the time of ART, which continues to be a really important co-infection in our region. And while overall everybody had improvements in life expectancy, we're still seeing persistent gaps. So people with a history of of TB or those starting at low CD4 counts, which was half of the individuals in our study, still had a disparity in their overall life expectancy gains that persisted across the study areas. So we definitely have work to do and there remains high you know highly vulnerable populations within our region that really need additional focus and intervention with better treatment prevention of tuberculosis earlier diagnosis again some of the things we've touched on before
0: what do you think within the region are the barriers that prevents people achieving maximum life expectancy for you know for people with life, with who are living with hiv
2: We've done some studies in CASANET that have continued to show that late presentation to care is one of the biggest drivers of mortality in our population. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of reasons for late late initiation of treatment. Stigma continues to be a, a considerable driver. Um, but there's also things that can be addressed at a societal level to help reduce those barriers and addressing some of the bureaucratic and policy measures that may still be in place that, that result in delays in ART initiation. But I think late presentation has been one one aspect that we focused on a lot in our region. Would you agree, Claudia, or, or have other thoughts?
1: I believe that the access to diagnosis and then the access to treatment is improving, but it's still a long way to go in some places, but probably that's the main difficulty, yes.
0: People need to get tested, find out that they, people who have HIV, they need to get tested, find out that they have HIV, get on treatment, and that's part of the positive message of realizing that people can have a, you know, a, a, near, you know, a, a comparable life expectancy to the general population. What would you say, from your point of view, are the key messages from the findings of your study?
2: I think, Peter, you've really hit it on the head. I think, um, again, expanding access for testing and, moreover, immediate and, and early ART initiation And there's a lot of things that can happen both at individual levels, but again, also at community and societal levels to help reduce some of those barriers that exist. And we also hope that seeing these improvements in life expectancy will make a difference in things like HIV stigma and fear that people may have. This is really a message of hope and also a a message to say that we need sustained funding in the region for HIV prevention and treatment. This can work. And we can see these improvements, you know, in settings outside of high income countries. And and we need to continue to expand those efforts to make sure we're reaching all of the populations.
1: Yes, for me, that's the main message is like, okay, we know that in high income countries this can work. We are not a high income continent and this is working too. So if we have the access and we have the access to diagnosis and the treatment, things can work very well for our patients. So we still need support. We are not a rich region, so we need the support from outside to do the research and to implement all this uh, diagnosis and treatment. And it's going to give very good results.
0: Well, that's a really clear message to end on. And thank you so much to Claudia and Jessica for joining me. If you're looking for more information on life expectancy for people living with HIV, I'd like to direct you to the 2017 Lancet HIV paper by the Antiretroviral Therapy Cohort Collaboration that reported on near normal life expectancy for people on antiretroviral therapy in Europe and North America. That paper was published in the August issue of 2017. Finally, I really hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jessica and Claudia today, I certainly did. And if you did, why not subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to make sure you join us next time when we'll continue the conversation.